Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning. Good morning. It is the 2nd of March, 2023. Um, I am Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. Good morning um, or good afternoon or good evening, depending on where you're listening. Um, Good morning to you in Puerto Rico. Good morning to you in um, Canada. Good morning to you in Kenya. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, or good afternoon or good evening, because you know me, I'm not so good with the uh, what time is it in your time zone. So um, just the sun has risen, S-O-N, and let's just um, glorify him today, whatever time of day it is, wherever you may be. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. And as I read this verse, I want you to ask yourself, how do I approach God? Like, I mean... There is the, how do I approach God because I only approach God um, because Jesus Christ has opened the way for me? There's that answer to the question of how, but I'm more thinking here, like, how do I approach God in terms of, um, like, my actual approach? How do I, um, what is my posture, my spirit as I enter into his presence? And you may be saying, I am a person who is... Um, bowed down low and humble, recognizing that I'm entering into the presence of the Holy of Holies and the God of all that is. And, and I am so small and he is so big. And, but I want you to hear today what the writer of Hebrews has to say in terms of how, in terms of how people in Christ are to approach God. So Hebrews 4.16. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So how do you approach God? With timidity or with boldness? Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Do you come like a person who belongs in his presence because you're covered in Christ? Or do you come as a person unsure of your standing before the Father. I mean, again, we only enter God's presence under the covering of the imputed righteousness of Christ. I mean, we we dare not enter otherwise. But in Christ, we are the very children of God. And how do children enter their Father's presence? Well, the children of God enter joyfully, running expectantly toward him, exuberantly full of joy, waiting to tell him all the things, you know, that they have discovered and enjoyed and, yes, desire and need. The writer of the Hebrews says today, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. For there we will receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. So are you looking for mercy today? Would you like to find grace to help with the things that you need most? 
Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. All right, one quick headline before we jump into our conversation with our friend Ben Johnson. Um, so Eric Adams is the mayor of New York City. You already know that. Maybe, maybe or maybe not, uh, you know that he is a Christian. Well, uh, Eric Adams is getting a lot of blowback from his fellow Democrats and others who disagree with his worldview, which led him to publicly state that he doesn't think that there should be the kind of separation of church and state that many on the left demand today. So the mayor was speaking at an interfaith breakfast event on Tuesday. Uh, it was held at the New York City Public Library. And in part, this is what he said. Don't tell me about no separation of church and state. State is the body. Church is the heart. You take the heart out of the body, the body dies. You can't separate my beliefs because I'm an elected official. When I walk, I walk with God. When I talk, I talk with God. When I put policies in place, I put them in place with a godlike approach to them. That is who I am. This was a 30-minute speech, and, and earlier he had argued that many of the societal ills, including crime and low student reading proficiency rates and many, many other things that the city of New York and others across the country are dealing with, he said, look, when we took prayer out of schools, guns came into the schools. We are destroying our next generation. We say over and over again, we need to build a world that's better for our children. No, we need to build children that are better for the world. And we have to be honest about that. And it means instilling in them some level of faith and belief. Now, you can imagine, you can imagine that the mayor of New York City has received a lot of pushback um, from these comments. Uh, he, he went on to say, you're not going to be able to receive the purification of God's blessing if you keep your sponge saturated. Now, in that, he was talking about this yellow kitchen sponge that he had pulled out of his pocket that he was comparing to a human soul. You're not going to be able to receive the purification of God's blessing if you keep your sponge saturated. So now he's squeezing the sponge in his hand and he says, some of our souls are so saturated with despair and harm and pain. Today, I'm saying to you, ring it out, ring it out. Um, so you can, again, imagine the kind of pushback and feedback that Mayor Eric Adams is getting. And so I want to lift him up as um, today's like person of prayer concern. Let's be lifting up our brother in Christ, Eric Adams, today as he seeks to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the issues confronting uh, New York City. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Righteousness This is my right, a right given by God, to live a free life, to live in freedom. Ben Johnson is joining us now. He's the rights writer. He's a senior reporter and editor at the Washington Stand. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Carmen. Okay, I really just want to talk about Eric Adams and the other issue that he's facing, which is that there are people in New York City who think that rats have rights and he's trying to eradicate the rat problem, address the rat problem. But people are saying, no, rats have rights, too. I really want to talk about that, but we're not going to. I was going to say you need to bring a friend, uh, Wesley J. Smith, to talk about that. A man is boy as a rat as a pig. 
A man is a boy is a rat is a pig. There you go. Um, there you go. I'm just giving you a little fodder of something to work on in case you're not busy enough. Talk with us about what is going on um, in West Virginia. There's a clash there over religious freedom, um, but it may it, it may be amplified in other places as well. Well, it certainly is, and it's a familiar discussion because we've talked about the general idea before. Uh, West Virginia right now is trying to pass the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which, of course, RIFRA, there is a national RIFRA, and that has uh, come into discussion a lot of times when Christians' rights are being denied by a local government. Uh, they are not allowed to live out their faith. So they say you're allowed to believe what you like on Sunday morning. You're allowed to believe what you like privately. But when it comes to uh, public business, then you can't live that out. Uh, these Religious Freedom Restoration Act uh, uh, around the country Uh-oh. in many states as well as at the national level have protected a lot of uh, believing businessmen and women uh, in, in when it comes to uh, living out their faith. And this debate has come to West Virginia. Uh, in Charleston right now, the House Judiciary Committee uh, just passed this bill through the House of Delegates. And uh, there was a, a debate that uh, people say on the one side, this is a license to discriminate, quote unquote. And Christians are saying, we simply want our God-given right to live out our faith. A faith without the ability to live it is no faith at all. Uh, an intellectual faith is the faith of demons, as the book of James says. So we want to be able to live that faith and incarnate that faith in our business life. Okay, so wasn't it codified into law nationally in 1993? Did did something happen to our national RIFRA? Well, no, you're right. The, uh, the RIFRA is still there, thankfully, uh, signed by Bill Clinton and, by the way, introduced in the House by uh, the man who was then representative, Chuck Schumer. So it's, it's a bipartisan measure. It was intended, uh, by the way, to, uh, to discuss uh, not only Christian beliefs, but also indigenous beliefs. So there, that was actually the, uh, the trigger for that particular law, uh, Supreme Court ruling that uh, had, had dealt with indigenous beliefs and laws against those. So it's understood that there can be laws on the books that infringe on religious rights, even if they're passed democratically by a, a large number of, of uh, legislators and upheld by the Supreme Court. All right. So we're going to um, continue following that as it not only develops there in West Virginia, but across the country, because this is a really essential conversation for each of us to um, to understand and be engaged in. Um, ben and I are going to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what's going on on college campuses across the country. Um, the College of the Ozarks is asking the Supreme Court to hear a case on gender identity dorm rules and college professors across the country fear speaking their opinions for risk of losing their jobs. You may know someone who falls into uh, that category or camp. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at MyFaithRadio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to, you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. 
back to the show. Again, thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at MyFaithRadio.com. We're continuing our conversation with Ben Johnson. He is uh, the rights writer. He's a senior reporter and editor at The Washington Stand. Hey, Ben, I was noting that um, at WashingtonStand.com, you have a piece posted there about the Biden administration reversing a religious freedom protection um, for students uh, and religious student groups on campuses across the country. And since we're about to talk about what's going on on college campuses, maybe you could read us in on that first. Well, sure. The, what, uh, the, the statute in question is a federal regulation called the Religious Liberty and Free Inquiry Final Rule. And uh, what, what Trump had said uh, during the Trump administration, they passed a rule saying that if a local campus violates Christian uh, or other religious uh, organizations' rights on campus, the federal government can withhold all, some, uh, or some portion of a grant uh, that goes to that if it's federal funding. So a federally funded uh, institution would lose some or all of its federal funding if they denied religious rights. The Biden administration says it's necessary, and so they're rescinding that. Uh, but this is an, just an extra layer of protection for Christian rights on campus, and it's unfortunate to see that go backward. Um, I think in conversation with that, I mean, one of the things that you bring up in the article is some information about um, the Biden administration's equity plan. And so, you know, just commend this entire thing to 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 your reading. If you're listening right now, you can find it at WashingtonStand.com. It'll be in the show notes um, linked today at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you download the Mornings with Carmen podcast. All right. Tell us what's happening, Ben. Um, the College of the Ozarks is um, appealing to the Supreme Court. What is this case about? Well, the College of the Ozarks, of course, the, a renowned Christian college, it's, it's the one that's known especially for your ability to uh, go there debt-free because of their work plan. So uh, something that more academic colleges ought to take up, and they're faith-based. They're essentially the Harvard of, of Christianity. Uh, they are taking the Biden administration to court because uh, of the way that they're interpreting Title IX and other, um, other statutes that have to do with sexual discrimination. Uh, which is something that I pointed out way back when this first uh, reared its head in 2010 and then again in 2016, which is uh, so often we've discussed the the uh, uh, statutes dealing with transgender students about how that relates to bathrooms or showers or locker rooms, but they don't just stop there. What the College of Ozarks noted was it also applies to college dorm rooms. So if someone identifies as a member of the opposite sex, then they have to be given housing according to uh, their gender identity under Biden administration statutes, which were also the Obama administration statutes. Uh, The same people are writing the statutes and regulations in both cases or handing down the legal interpretations and guidances. So they said, can you imagine being a a Christian university and having to uh, put members of the same sex together in the same dorm and under the uh, original Obama administration regulations, you couldn't even tell someone that this person originally was born a certain way because of their self-identification. You could only ident- identify them according to their gender identity, and they would just find out what up. So they are appealing to the Supreme Court, please let us live out our faith and, uh, and protect uh, our students as well. Uh, colleges and universities that are going to be able to afford to continue to have students like physically on campus, which I, I recognize that um, across the country there there are colleges and universities that are abandoning um, 
you know, residential education on campus. Uh, and this is one of the reasons behind it. I mean, we're going to, in, in the same way that we had to go to like, you know, bathrooms with a single door, uh, you know, like, right, single individual bathrooms, um, we're going to potentially have to go to like solitary single individual dorm rooms because parents are not going to be willing to send their kids to room with a person who may or may not actually be biologically male if they're sending their son to, you know, I mean, co-ed dorms like that. That seems like co-ed dorms were not that long ago. Co-ed halls, not that long ago. But now we're really talking about co-ed dorm rooms. I mean, that's essentially what we're talking about here. Maybe there are already colleges that offer just sort of like it's a free for all and you don't really know if it's going to be a male or a female that you're rooming with. But certainly on campuses like the College of the Ozarks and others that identify as expressly Christian or faith-based, they're not going to want that. They're not going to want to be compelled to house students with people of any gender. That just that That's not going to fly. Right. Well, it, it, it's obviously uh, something that goes against Christian belief. It's obviously something that uh, denies their historic basis, which is the reason they do what they do. Uh, so many times the people who write these statutes don't understand the College of the Ozarks isn't primarily a college that happens to have a Christian veneer. They go into uh, into education in order to give people the skills because they believe God is the author of education, the author of truth. You can't strip God out of any aspect of our lives, including education or any of the subjects that are taught there, without losing the truth, because truth is a person, the way, the truth, and the life. And so that's the very heart of their academic mission, and they are suing for what we believe is their First Amendment, God-given and unalienable right to live by that faith. Okay, you know, the research department, which includes everybody listening, <clears throat> the research department, it doesn't take them very long, Ben, to answer the questions that I pose. There are 446 colleges and universities that have gender-inclusive housing in the United States of America, um, uh, campus housing in which students can choose to live in a shared space with people of any gender. 446 of them already. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. The, it's, yeah, it's craziness. Okay. Um, well, there, Carmen has just shown her bias. Um, college professors across the country fear speaking their opinions. I thought that's what college professors, like, I thought that was their job. I thought basically the job of college professors is to get us thinking about things we weren't thinking about or maybe challenge us to think differently about the things that we think about. Um, but increasingly, they fear sharing their opinions for risk of losing their jobs. What's going on here? Yes, well, of course, the entire basis of tenure was that you have a lifelong job and therefore you are protected and you can say whatever your research leads you to say that you believe is the truth. Uh, unfortunately, that hasn't been respected in a long, long time. And uh, the most recent surveys from a group uh, that's uh, well known, the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education or FIRE, they put out a, an annual report called the Academic Mind. Their report for 2022 found that 52 percent of professors are, quote, afraid of losing their jobs or reputations because someone misunderstands something they said or did or takes it out of context or posts something from their past online. So uh, this isn't simply that uh, they're afraid to say what they are, are talking about. Uh, the the uh, the topics that they speak of, they're afraid to share their opinions, but they're also afraid to share their research. They're afraid to mm. share their genuine bona fide conclusions that they believe are the truth because they're afraid that they will uh, lose their jobs, they will lose their reputation, uh, or possibly they, they could end up uh, receiving a massive amount of hate mail. 
In various cases, they have been threatened with and in a few cases stripped of tenure. Uh, and again, tenure was there. It's supposed to be a lifelong uh, guarantee of your academic freedom. And it's only taken away essentially for bad behavior of, of a criminal variety or violating uh, some something like uh, uh, plagiarizing your research. And, and instead, it is increasingly being stripped for purely political reasons because they don't like the conclusions of your research. Uh, but it's interesting that, uh, of course, you have a high percentage of self-identified conservative faculty members who are afraid. There are a very small percentage of self-identified conservative faculty, but uh, the vast majority of them are afraid, 72%, 56% of uh, moderates. But it's interesting, 40% of liberal faculty members are afraid of this uh, as well. So it's not simply one political persuasion or another. This is an entire profession walking on eggshells because they're afraid they'll accidentally use the wrong word or phrase or say something indelicately or or stay up too late the night before and then go in for first thing in the morning and uh, use the wrong word, uh, which has happened to anyone who's been in radio, certainly, certainly has happened to me and, and others. And uh, uh, incidentally, just say something that can be construed in a different way. And suddenly, uh, they will face a graceless society that will not accept an apology, that will not accept an explanation, and that is always out uh, for blood. All right. If you um, go and visit WashingtonStand.com, uh, one of the things that you're going to see is that Senator Mike Lee's Twitter account has been suspended. Ben posted that yesterday. Um, ben, why has the good senator's personal account been suspended? Uh oh. Maybe we've already. Did we lose him? Did he lose us? Maybe. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I did. I did oh, no. uh, drop okay. out there for a second. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't get to speak because he was saying things that, I don't know, somebody didn't like. He's a U.S. senator from U. Yeah, you were momentarily. All right, well, we're going to encourage people to read it. How's that sound? We're going to send people to WashingtonStand.com. You can read what Ben is writing, not only um, about many of the things that we have discussed today, but so much more. Um, There is a, a piece there on natural immunity. There's a piece there on the Supreme Court's skepticism about the uh, Biden um, plan to bail out student loans. Um, and the lead article right now is on the Missouri AG um, investigating the allegations related to um, treatment of trans-identified children um, and allegations of child abuse. So all kinds of great stuff there. Check it out, WashingtonStand.com. Ben, thanks as always for joining us. Thank you so much, Carmen. God bless you and your listeners. Likewise. Let's go upwards with Max Lucado. All right, let me ask you uh, again. Well, let me say first, I'm Carmen LeBurge. And if you're just tuning in, welcome. We're so glad you're here. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. Um, What happens when the power goes out? Do you have like candles on the ready? Are you a flashlight person? What happens when the power goes out? Do you like... (laughs) I mean, depending on the time of year, do you like run to the fireplace and, you know, stoke the fire? Like, you know, when the power goes out, what do you do? Do you start, do you have like a family plan? Do all the blankets head to the same room where you have like one source of natural heat? Um, What happens when the power goes out where you are? What happens to us when we find ourselves sitting in the dark? So it's one thing to say what happens when the power goes out and like, what do I proactively do? But what happens to us internally when we find ourselves sitting in the dark? 
Is it a place of quiet rest for you? Is it a place of fear? Part of it, um, my guess is, is determined by what provokes the outage. Like, do I know that I'm having rolling blackouts in my uh, in my community, in my city, in my state? And so, you know, I know that, you know, there there's this regular rhythm. I kind of anticipated it. There, That's not as anxiety producing as the power goes out in the middle of a storm. Well, I want you to imagine... Um, what happens when the power goes out in a high-rise uh, apartment building in Kiev? And it doesn't go out because of a storm. It doesn't go out because of rolling blackouts. It goes out because bombs are bursting in air. So the, uh, the Washington Post has this feature piece today um, interviewing people who live in this one particular high-rise um, in uh, in the neighborhood of Obolan, um, and their experience living in this year of war. And as tar- as Russia has relentlessly targeted Ukraine's infrastructure, these attacks on power plants and communication towers, um, these people have found themselves in the dark many, many days and many, many nights um, plunged into cold darkness as the way they describe it. So these interviews in this 22-story, 114-unit building, um, they talk about how living without power, living without light specifically, has changed their lives and changed their perspectives. Um, And so I just wanted to lift that up today as something that you and I might think about and consider. Um, How does a lack of light, how does living in darkness change our perspective. And then as Christians, what does it mean for us to be living witnesses, living evidence that Jesus is the light of the world? Let's pray today for the reality of the light of Christ to shine when the lights go out. Um, So many places where darkness is seeking to hide his lovely face, let's be people who let our light shine brightly. Kathy Branzell is going to join us next. We're going to talk about praying for revival and also praying specifically for um, young women um, in our culture today. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All the world starts changing when the church starts Joining us now, Kathy Branzell. She heads up the National Day of Prayer Task Force, and she's my friend. Good morning, dear. Good morning, friends. How are you? Mm, so good. So good. Well, you know what? Um, let me just confess that I have a, I'm feeling the weightiness of things more lately. The, yes. the, some of it's cumulative, I suspect. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like, like I had this image in prayer recently of um, I'm kneeling before this just vast ocean. And I think historically, Kathy, I would have thought of that as like a vast ocean of grace and I'm going to dip into it. But in this case, it was clear that it was this vast ocean of concerns. And all wow. I could do was was cut my hands together and lift them up one by one to the Lord. Yes. Like, right? Yes. But then every yes. time I lifted up one, I reached back down because there's another there's there's another handful to gather in. Right. And I just that's the way I'm feeling in my prayer life right now. I'm feeling as if there is literally an endless ocean of concern. 
So there you go. When you ask how I am, that's how I am. Right. And, and I think you just described many, many, many of our listeners' lives as, as well as my own. And, you know, I just said to my husband last night, I just can't get it all done. I just can't get it all done. Mm-hmm. And he said, welcome to being a CEO. And then he just stopped. He goes, welcome to being a human being on planet Earth. And um, and so here we sit. I know you and I wanted to talk about uh, young women today, but I just thought, wow, it's probably all women. And if we were all really transparent, what we're going to talk about, um, how, you know, how we're feeling, um, what we're experiencing is a lot of Americans right now. Yeah. Um, let's start there since um, uh, since we've already waded into this. Um, recently, the Centers for Disease Control released this report about what young women, U.S. teens and specific, uh, specifically U.S. teen girls are experiencing um, overwhelming sadness, um, record high levels of violence and suicide risk. Um, talk with us about what's going on um why do you think our teen girls persistently feel sad and hopeless and and increasingly um making plans to take their own lives yeah and and i i think that this is just on a human level first of all we can say i mean covid is just this weird kink in our timeline of life right we were just cruising along you know, not in a perfect way, um, but but COVID really, really, uh, you know, hit pause. It um, it messed up our education. It isolated us from friends and other family. And isolation is the devil's tool. Um, you know, it just it was a it was a severe life change. It filled people with fear and confusion and isolation. And, and so, you know, that's, that's part of this route. And then you've got um, the media, you've got social media, and, and it's really living life in this wrong perspective of comparison. And God did not create us to compete with one another. I'm not supposed to be Carmen, even though there's many things about Carmen. Boy, I sure would like to be. Um, I'm not meant to be, you know, the the head cheerleader girl or the smartest girl. God created each of us uniquely. His beautiful masterpiece workmanship for the good works that he's already prepared for us to do. So he created us. Um, for the purpose, this beautiful kingdom purpose, to be loved by him and to love him and to live out a life of purpose. And so we really have to get out of this competing mentality. um, And I'm not this and I'm not that and start getting back into our Bibles. This is why reading scripture Um, more than just a verse a day is so important because God tells you who you are, who you really are in him, created by him in his word. Mm. Um, I think that, that 
reaching into establishing relationships with being um, persistent in our pursuit of younger women is going to necessarily be a part of this because that's not going to be the natural course they're going to follow. Um, there's no right. there's no like natural route from um, isolation and and like living in a, a personal sort of cycle of humiliation by comparison, comparing yourselves to others on social media. There's no natural route from that to deep reading of the scriptures every day in order that right. a young woman can begin to see herself accurately, her perspective on herself and everything else can change. And so um, maybe one of the things that we should really sort of compel ourselves and others to do um, is press in, like intentionally, persistently, don't take no for an answer, press into the lives of younger women. Yes. Yes. And, 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 Iron sharpens iron. You know, we're supposed to be encouraging one another. Um, and and I would just beg our younger listeners listening to each other that that you just make a decision. I, I would say this for all women, because we can have a culturally bad reputation for tearing each other down. Um, make it, you know, part of your life's mission to encourage one another. And I'm not talking about fake. I'm not talking about, um, I'm just, I'm, you know, you're not buttering somebody up. You don't want something from them. You want to pour into them. And so what if we just made it, um, we were deliberate every day to speak courage, to speak, um, a, a true compliment what you see God doing in someone's life, what you see that God has done in someone's life, and and you speak this positive, strengthening, encouraging, um, you know, conversations into them, and that's how we walk through life. That we decided, um, I I not only can change someone's day, I can change their body chemistry just by smiling at them. And, and what if you were just the high point of somebody's day every day because you spoke truth, the truth of God into their life? And, and um, if there is anyone out there who is thinking, even as an inkling, of taking their life, we're begging you to get help, to tell someone and to go get Christian counseling because he who began a good work in you, he who created you is going to see it to completion. That is truth. Um, there are moments in our life that seem dark and heavy, um, but God is carrying you through. He never leaves you or forsakes you. And so please, please, please um, find someone who loves you. Let them know how you're feeling and go get help because your life is beautiful and worth living. Let me give you a couple of resources if you're listening right now and you're saying to yourself, I, I need help and I know it. 988, um, super simple national um, hotline now for folks who are um, considering self-harm, suicidal ideation, having a hard time mentally, um, struggling, 988. Um, for those of you who are Christians, I highly recommend the Hope Line thehopeline.com. It's a great place for students and young adults in crisis to find sound counsel 
um, thehopeline.com. They actually right there have a live chat um, available 24-7. You can get help right there, thehopeline.com. We're going to continue our conversation with Kathy here in just a moment. We've all been praying for revival Um, We have been talking here about what uh, has been happening on the campus, not only of Asbury, but now other other places across the country. Kathy's got some um, direct info for us, and she's also going to help us understand, like, how do we fan the flame of revival through our own life of prayer? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation with Kathy Branzell, she heads up the National Day of Prayer Task Force. Um, Kathy, uh, maybe we should say here that the National Day of Prayer is fast approaching. Every day yes. is a day of prayer for every single one of us, but the National Day of Prayer is fast approaching. So um, let's uh, let's be sure we highlight that before we move on. Perfect. Well, yes, sixty-three days away. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Not that Funny. not that you're counting. Not that I'm counting, not that I hear every tick come off the clock, but it's so exciting. And um, yes, you can go to nationaldayofprayer.org and uh, get resources, get some prayer guides. Maybe you're going to pray with your neighbor. You can, uh, as it gets closer to time, they're filling up our event finder. You can go and click on events and find uh, the prayer gathering closest to your city um, and in your neighborhood. We are so excited. And then, of course, we have our uh, national prayer ca- uh, gathering broadcast at 8 p.m. Eastern time on many of your favorite um uh, uh, Christian networks, uh, where it's televised, it's streamed, it's on our favorite radio. Uh, we are so grateful to have partnered with Faith last year and um, hope to do it again this year. So we are so excited to just gather the nation together in prayer on May 4th this year. Amen. May the 4th. Uh, May the 4th be with you. Um, it won't exactly. be hard to remember that date this year. Um, NationalDayOfPrayer.org, great place to connect with resources. Um, you can you can get resources there to invite other people to join you on the National Day of Prayer. You can host an event. You can participate in an event. Um, you can certainly prayerfully prepare yourself to participate. Um, let's talk about revival. Um, we've yes. been talking a lot here uh, on the show about what's happening at Asbury, what has been happening at Asbury and now beyond. Tell us what you know about that, because you sent someone to, you know, like, have I have eyes on the event. Uh, we did. Yes. Um, so our vice president, Dion Elmore, um, we uh, I couldn't go. We had a a, um, a death in our immediate friendship circle. And so I, I called Dion and said, get on a plane. We, we need you to go see this. There's no way I want us to miss this. 
And so he went for five days and, um, and I've talked to dozens of other people who have gone and they just describe it. It's funny, as much as I love alliteration, you know that it was funny that that's how people described it. They said it was the palatable, peaceful, pure, powerful presence of the Holy Spirit that, hmm. um, that even though there were no rules, it was orderly. Uh, people were waiting in line in the pouring rain for hours to get into the chapel. And he never heard one person complain. There was just singing and prayer um, going on outside and inside. And, you know, just this beautiful visitation of the spirit. But what we want everyone to know is, um, and I'm going to quote our buddy Greg Spear, uh, Greg Steer from Dare to Share. He said this to me this weekend. He said, there's no Holy Spirit hotspot. And I, uh, I love that. And, and so what Asbury did is they said, you know, take, take the embers of what you experienced here, take it home because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And, and yes, we want revival. And the only way revival happens is taking it outside the doors and letting it overflow into our lives, into our communities, that we don't go back to uh, just the way things were. Um, we never wish to go backwards because God's always going forward. But you take mm. it home and, and this yearning, this this pressed in prayer, this focus on worshiping and praising God, um, you know, will will allow, will will um, invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill you and those around you uh, in that worship and in that prayer time as well. We want to see it sweep the nation. Mm. That just reminds me of Second Timothy, um, chapter one, verses six and seven. Uh, I remind you to stir up or rekindle the embers, to fan into flame, the yes. gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by means of the laying on of hands. Um, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of coward, cowardness, or craven, cringing, fawning fear, but God has given us a spirit of power and of love, a calm well-balanced mind, discipline, and self-control. Um, that's yes. an amplified, amplified version for those of you wondering. Like, I don't think, remember that it says all of those things in that many ways. Yeah, well, that's because, um, you know, when we talk about embers or inner fire and we talk about fanning something into flame, like for anybody that has ever returned to a fire and it has, it's, it appears to have nearly gone out, which if you think about, wow, the way that um, Christianity has for many people been experienced in the United States of America over the last couple of decades, it has felt like an, you know, a fire going out. Um, but mm. all it takes to rekindle a fire is to fan the flame. Like, that's it. Yes. That's that, literally all you have to do. Um, yes. And it will just, it'll roar up again. Um, maybe we could pray, maybe you could lead us this morning, Kathy, in praying in that direction to, the, uh. to fan the flame of these embers that... Yes. Um, that God would reignite the the inner fire of Christians in America. Yes. Yes. I'd love to. Oh, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you dwell in us. We know that you never leave us or forsake us. 
And so I ask that in um, whatever emptiness people are feeling, whatever discouragement, all the things we were talking about earlier, Holy Spirit, that you would remind us to connect our heart to you so that our life is filled with fruitfulness, not feelings that are connected to the flesh. And that in that, in just this ember that burns in us, that you would remind us to call on your name, to cry out to you, that there would be a yearning to always be in your presence, to respond to the fact that you are with us, that there would be this hunger to worship and to praise, to remind our hearts, to remind our families and ourselves of who you are, God Almighty how much you love us, that you are our rest and our refuge, that you are our joy and our strength. And that we would fan that flame, that that would be what is coming out of our mouth, that we would gather together in worship, that we could that we could be alone in our house or call on others and go to others, that we would worship at our church and never look at our watch, but just want to remain in your presence as those students did at Asbury that we wouldn't be able to get enough of you, that we would feel the pure, powerful, peaceful presence that is you, that we would cast off all this world tries to throw on us, that we would run to you, that we would speak of your excellent greatness and be filled once again. Let us take it to the streets. Let us take it to work, to school, to the gym, wherever we work out, wherever we hang out. I'll just be in constant prayer, in constant communication with you and call us to linger in your presence, to not rush off this morning, but to just stay for a moment and be filled in the fruitfulness that is our lives in Christ. Mm. It is to our Father's glory that we bear much fruit. We love you. Let revival sweep our nation and let it begin with me. Mm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Kathy, as always, thank you so much. What a, what a delight to have an opportunity to spend time with you today. Thank you, sister. Love you. Continue to pray for all of our listeners. Take care. Amen. That's Kathy Branzell. Uh, Please visit nationaldayofprayer.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right. Um, I, I don't know. I had a heartburn thought. Like, right, we, we have so much heartburn over all the things going on in the culture. And I was thinking, let our hearts burn. Um, I'm thinking about the guys on the road to Emmaus who are like, we're not our hearts burning within us. Let's fan the flame. Let's fan the flame. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.